0: ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له الله إله وحده لا وحده أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. Indeed, all praise is due to Allah, and as such, we should praise Him seek His help, and seek refuge in Allah from the evil which is within ourselves, and the evil which results from our deeds. For whomsoever Allah has guided, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah has allowed to go astray, none can guide. And I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah. And that Muhammad Wasallam. Is the last messenger of Allah. Inna astaqal hadithi kitabul Allah wa khayra hadi hadi Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Indeed, the most truthful form of speech is the book of Allah, and the best source of guidance is the guidance brought by Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa shara umur muhdathatuhaa wa kull muhdathah bidhaa. وَكُلَّ بِدَعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النار. And indeed, the most evil of all affairs are the innovations in religion. For every innovation in religion is misguidance. And all misguidance leads ultimately to the hellfire. Brothers and sisters, in beginning... With the khutbah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Khutbah Al-Haja, we see the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam praising Allah, seeking his guidance, and reminding people that the Qur'an should be uppermost in their lives and that the understanding of the Quran is ultimately from the Sunnah without the Sunnah there is no proper understanding of the Quran and that the worst of all affairs the worst things that can happen to a people to a person to a society is that innovation creeps into their practice of the religion of Allah. For all those who went astray, who ended up worshipping idols, worshipping human beings, who ended up on a path to hell, began that path on innovation, changes in the religion. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ called it the worst of all affairs. That is the worst thing that can happen to a person, that he or she through innovation falls off the path to Allah. Some time back i began to look at the last 10 verses of surah ali imran that's verses 190 to 200 these verses we looked at because it was among the first things that the Prophet Sallallahu did with regards to remembering Allah. This is all an extension from Dhikrullah. We looked at the du'as that he made when he first awoke, and we looked at this particular set of verses, we began to look at it because whenever he awoke in the night the early morning before Fajr he would recite these verses and he recommended them and when he recited them he cried until his beard became wet with tears He cried as he bowed, he cried as he prostrated, he cried throughout the recitation of these verses, which tells us that these are very important verses from the Quran for us to learn, to read, to reflect on. If they had that impact on Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the guide for all of us, then we should follow his guidance and take benefit from these verses. The verses began, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَأَخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكَ وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Indeed in the creation of the heavens and earth and the alternation of the night and the day there are signs for those who reflect. Those who remember Allah standing, sitting, and lying on their sides, contemplating the creation of the heavens and the earth, saying, Our Lord, you have not created this without purpose. Glory be to you. Save us from the torment of the hellfire. رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ مَنْ تُدْخِلِ النَّارَ فَقَدْ أَخْزَيْتَهُ وَمَا لِلْظَالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنْصَارَ Our Lord, whoever you have put in the hellfire is truly disgraced. And for the sinful, there will be no helpers. Rabbana Innana samirna munadiyayin yunadi lil Imani an aminu birabbikum fa amenna. Rabbana fa ghfirlana dunubana wa kafir anna sayyatina wa tawafana ma al abrar. Our Lord, certainly we have heard a caller to faith saying, Believe in your Lord, and we have believed. Our Lord, Forgive us our sins and expiate our evil deeds, and let us die among the righteous. رَبَّنَا مَا وَعَدْتَنَا عَلَىٰ رُسُلِكَ وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّكَ لَا تخلف Our Lord, grant us what you have promised us through your messengers, and do not disgrace us on the day of resurrection. Surely, you will never break your promise. فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أُضِيُعْ عَمَلَ عَمِلٍ مِنْكُمْ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَىٰ بَعْضُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْضُ فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَأُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيْلِي وَقَاتَلُوا وَقُتِلُوا لَأُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سيئاتهم وَلَأُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْدِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ ثَوَابًا مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ حُسْنُ الثَّوَابُ So their Lord responded, saying, I will never allow the deeds of any of you to be lost, whether male or female, for you are from each other. So for those who have emigrated and were driven out of their homes, suffering harm for my sake, and those who fought and were killed for my sake, I will expiate their evil deeds and admit them to gardens with rivers flowing beneath them. A reward from Allah, and Allah has with him the best of rewards. After explaining that, Allah goes on to remind the believers not to be fooled by what appears before them. This is the promise of Allah, that those who leave what Allah has forbidden, Leave states of oppression, sin, and misguidance, and emigrate for the sake of Allah, that Allah will provide for them. He will reward them ultimately with paradise. Success in this world is no guarantee. Allah is not guaranteeing success in the material world for that sacrifice. He is guaranteeing success in the world to come. And it is natural for people when they hear this promise of Allah to question, what about these people around us? Those who disbelieve who disobey, who cause corruption, they seem to dominate. They seem to have control. The affairs of the world are in their hands. It appears that they are successful. So Allah clarifies, saying, لَا يَغُرَّنَّكَ تَقَلُّبُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فِي الْبِلَادِ مَتَاعٌ قَلِيلٌ ثُمَّ مَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمٌ وَبِئْسَ Do not let the dominance of the disbelievers throughout the land deceive you. It is only a brief moment. Then their ultimate resting place will be hell. The worst place to rest. That is the reminder, not to be fooled. So Allah then reiterates His promise. He says, لَكِنِ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا رَبَّهُمْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا نُزُلًا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ لِلْأَبْرَارُ But for those who fear their Lord, there are gardens with rivers flowing beneath them, where they will remain forever, kept happy by their God Allah. And what is with Allah is better for those who are righteous. This is the reminder. That if we truly fear Allah, then what He has for us is far better than what those who disbelieve in Him have in this life. This life is only a fleeting moment. When the time of death comes, people see their whole lives running before them. Like a blinking of an eye. And they will question each other on the day Resurrection, how long were we in this world? Was it a day or only a part of a day? That's what it's going to seem like All of this time that we have lived Which seems a lifetime Will only be the blinking of an eye So what is most important Is that eternal life to come how that life is going to be. And for it, the price is taqwa Allah. It's fearing Allah. Fearing Allah, by doing whatever He has commanded, avoiding whatever He has prohibited, out of faith, and not out of custom out of true love for Allah and not out of fear of punishment from people in this world that is what Allah has for those who are righteous and those who are righteous they appreciate it it makes sense it is worth striving for, it's worth sacrificing for. But for those who are not, who say they are Muslims, but their lives don't reflect Islam, they're only Muslims in name, then this promise of Allah is an empty promise. Because they can only judge this world from a materialistic perspective. They can only see what they actually achieve, what they've gotten out of it. And they will complain, and they will cry, and they will be upset when they don't get the things they feel they deserve. They will not be able to understand that if Allah didn't give it to us, it wasn't meant for us, it wasn't good for us. They would not be able to understand that. They could only see what their desires say is good. So when they get what pleases them, they're happy. When they get what doesn't doesn't please them, they're upset being sad is natural for us when we don't get the things we want sadness is a natural response but we don't allow that sadness to overwhelm us where it leads to being upset where we question why why didn't I get this What did I do to deserve this? These are questions of faith. These are words of disbelief. We say it often. People easily make these expressions. But without thinking, they are actually expressing disbelief in Allah. The answer is already there. Allah has already told us. There are many things that we will think is good for us, but in fact it is not good for us. Allah told us. You will love things and in fact, they're evil for you. وَاللَّهُ and Allah knows, and you don't know. That is the bottom line. We don't know. So, in the end, if we have taqwa, then success will be ours. It will be success in this life because we'll be able to handle the trials of life. Life, its trials involve not giving us the things we want, taking away from us the things that we have. This is part of the trials of life. How do you handle that? it can only be handled with taqwa allah the fear of allah i ask allah subhanahu ta'ala to give us taqwa to handle the trials of our daily lives to give us foresight into what is to come and to make it our focus i ask allah to remove from our hearts the addiction to the things of this world. To replace it with love of Him and a love for what is to come. I ask Allah to give us the patience to handle the difficulties, the trials, the disappointments of this life. And I ask Allah to give us the patience to be there Worshipping Him under all circumstances. Akulu Kauli Hadda was the Ghfiruladi Walakum, or Lisaid Luslimina Minkuli Dampastafiro, in the Huwa Gafur Rahim. Alhamdulillah. In these verses, Allah then goes on to answer another question. What about those people who came before? Those people who were people of the book, Christians, Jews and others who followed the Prophets of the past. What is their state? Is paradise only for those who followed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa This is a natural question. It's a question which is posed to Christians who claim that without accepting Jesus there is no salvation. And when they're questioned, well, what about those people who came before? They usually hem and they haw and well, God knows best. But Allah makes it very clear that paradise is not only for those who we now associate with the believers. It is for the believers from the time of Adam till the end of the world. Those doors were open and remain open for all of the believers wherever they may be. So Allah goes on to say, وَإِنَّ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَمَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ خَاشِعِينَ لِلَّهِ لَا يَشْتَرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ in Allah sadee'ul hisab Among the people of the scripture are those who truly believe in Allah and truly believe in what was revealed to you and what was revealed to them humbling themselves before Allah They do not sell the verses of Allah for a low price they will have a reward with their Lord and Allah takes account swiftly. This is the promise. This is the clarification which is given. Even in the time of Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, there were in Medina Jews who founded Medina, Jewish tribes founded Medina. And when Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam came, as they had predicted, to the Arab tribes that were there, the Aus and the Khazraj who were there with them in Medina. But as they expected, the Prophet, who was to come, would lead them, and they would punish the Aus and the Khazraj, the disbelievers, and the other pagans of Arabia. But when that Prophet came, not as one who would lead them, but as one who called back to the same message as Prophet Musa, Prophet Moses, leaving the opportunity to everybody, whether Jew or non-Jew, They were not happy. Because for them. God. Was the Lord God of Israel. For them. Paradise. Was theirs. Exclusively. So. They rejected the message. For the most part. However. There were. Among them, those who as Allah described them were sincere believers. So you had Abdullah ibn As-Salam. Abdullah ibn As-Salam, he was among the Jews, Jewish rabbis, who converted to Islam in the time of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And over the years, there have been others who have accepted Islam. However, from the people of the book, the overwhelming numbers of those who accepted Islam, were not from the Jews, but from the Christians. Surprising. Because when we look at Judaism, we see Islam in terms of much of the practices, the rites and the rituals, the laws, the customs, very similar. The difference is slight. When we look at Christianity and look at Islam, it's a huge difference. Huge difference. So why would the Christians come and the Jews not? Some people say it is in the nature of the Jew. No. It's not. It's not true. It is not the nature of Jews. Because we have to say that Allah is the one who created the nature. So if He created them with a nature that they would not come and then He's going to punish them on the day of judgment for not coming, we say, hey, Allah is not fair." It is not in the nature of the Jew. The Jews are people like any other people. So why? Well, we have to consider who are the Christians. The Christians originally were Jews who followed Jesus. The last of the prophets sent to the Israelites. Jesus was the last of the prophets. Those Jews who followed him came later to be known as Christians. Those who did not follow him are those who we know today as Jews. So they already had rejected the message of the earlier messenger. So it is not surprising that when the messenger who came after him, the final messenger, he is rejected by them. Because they already rejected the messenger before. Unjustly, incorrectly. Out of pride, out of whatever. So that is why It isn't surprising. Because they were the rejecters of Jesus. So it is not surprising that they would also reject Muhammad. May God's peace and blessings be upon both of them. Why it's more difficult for them to accept him. But then, the Christians that we know today, were they truly or are they true followers of Jesus? Well, we have to say, they're not. They're not. En masse, as a generality, Christianity is not the religion of Jesus. He never called his religion, the religion which he brought, Christianity. These words were used by Paul after Jesus' departure, he is the one who called the followers Christians in Antioch. So they were not known as Christians. So what became of the religion of Jesus as it went, as it was changed, as it was innovated by Paul, all who innovated by interpretation how did he do that? well it was known that pork was prohibited haram Jesus didn't eat pork his followers didn't eat pork it's known so how did Christians end up eating pork? they become the main pork eaters of the world today Outside of the Chinese, they're competing. China, US, Europe, competing with eating pork. How, how did they become? We can understand the Chinese, okay, they didn't have revelation, recent revelation, right? We don't find in Confucianism any teachings regarding pork, etc. But in Christianity, coming from Jewish roots, pork is prohibited. So how did they get there? Well, Paul philosophized. Paul, who was an enemy of the early followers of Jesus, who then claimed to have seen a vision and converted, he said, his famous statement recorded in the Gospels, it is not that which goes into your mouth which defiles you it is what comes out of your mouth it is not that which goes into your mouth which defiles you meaning if you eat pork or you eat blood or you eat any other haram things it is that doesn't really defile you doesn't make you Filthy and dirty. It is what comes out of your mouth. What you say. This is what makes you a filthy and a dirty person. It's true. And there's some wisdom in that statement. There is. It's a wise statement. But in the wrong place. In the wrong place. Truly. What comes out of our mouth is what defiles us. It is true. It's what makes us filthy in front of Allah. If we eat some pork and we didn't know it was pork, does Allah look at us as being filthy because of it? No. We're forgiven. It's not held against us. We're not defiled. It doesn't break our wudu. We have to make ghusl. But if we say what is corrupt and what is evil then in the sight of Allah we are filthy. We are defiled. This is true. But as I said that was an interpretation a tafsir which is in the wrong place. It's a general principle. It's true. But, such interpretations have no place when there is a clear text from God. When God says, eating pork is prohibited, then you can't bring that around. You can't bring that interpretation to override the law of Allah. You can't. Not acceptable. And, know for example circumcision circumcision male circumcision was a standard practice of Judaism it's mentioned in the gospels that Jesus was circumcised on the 8th day it's mentioned there which is something for those people who think of Jesus as God to reflect God was circumcised on the eighth day but this practice is an established practice amongst Jews so how did it become abandoned amongst Christians some do, some don't, it's like a maybe, maybe not, no big deal how did that happen? Paul philosophized, saying, circumcision is circumcision of the heart. And he had an explanation for that. Circumcision of the heart. What is this? That is the way of the deviants. That is the way of innovation. This is a methodology. That where we have clear text in the religion, somebody comes along and says, well it doesn't really mean that. It means something else. You have for example, amongst the Shiites, a group of the Ismailis, the most deviant Shiite groups who said that the five times daily prayers Fajr is represented by Muhammad he is the symbol of Fajr Zuhr is Fatima Asr is Ali Maghrib is Hassan and Isha is Hussein. So if a person says Muhammad Fatima Ali Hassan Hussein, he has done his five times daily prayers. This is the way of deviation. Innovation. Changing the teachings where there are clear texts, somebody comes along and tells you it doesn't really mean that. Allah says in the Quran, riba. Allah has cursed interest. Riba. He has cursed interest. And he has blessed charity. Somebody comes along and says. You know that interest, it's not really the interest that we know today. That was in reference to usury, which was excessive interest. So small amounts of interest are okay. No. Allah says, He curses interest. In all of its forms, It is so cursed that Prophet Muhammad had said, the one who writes the contract, the one who witnesses the contract, the one who gives it, the one who receives it, are all in sin. So evil that the Prophet had said, riba has some 70 odd branches the simplest of which is equivalent to a man having sexual relations with his mother. Ooh. After all that, we are going to go and say about the Quran that Allah doesn't really mean today's modern interest banking institutions? Yeah. there are people who say that. If you read Yusuf Ali's translation of the Quran, that's what he says. Go to those verses in Surah Al-Baqarah, go to Yusuf Ali's translation, the well-known one, the most popular translation in the Muslim world. It says they're right in the bottom, clarification, that this that Allah is talking about is not the interest of today's banking institutions. Serious. Serious error. So, Allah spoke of those who believed saying that they do not sell the verses of Allah for a cheap price. They don't hide the message. They don't play with the message. But they live that message as it was revealed. Allah promises them what? That they will have their reward with their Lord. That reward that Allah is talking about is what? Paradise. They will get paradise. And Allah is swift to taking account. And Allah closes off these verses with the final verse. يَا أَيُوَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اصبِرُوا وَصَابِرُوا وَرَابِتُوا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ O oh you who believe, be patient and have patience amongst yourselves. Be vigilant and fear Allah in order to to be successful. <laughs> Allah tells us to be patient. Wasabiru. <laughs> we should be patient with whatever Allah has decided for us. And we should be patient with what those around us inflict on us. Because there's two elements of patience here. One where we see qadar Allah easily. We wanted something, we didn't get it, Qadrullah. Allah. But then there's also qadar Allah in the harm that people do to us. So we also have to be patient with that harm. Patient in the sense, not that we don't stop harm. As Prophet ﷺ had said, whoever sees evil should stop it with his hands. speak out against it so there is that element of resistance to evil we should resist it we're not turning the other cheek we do resist evil but at the same time we have to do so in a patient manner we don't go overboard we have limits we follow rules and then Allah tells us to be vigilant to be on guard Warabitu and in many instances Allah has praised this vigilance being on guard he said on one occasion as narrated by Abu Huraira should I tell you about actions which Allah forgives sins and raises grades forming perfect ablution in unfavorable circumstances. إِسْبَاغُ عَلَى When circumstances are difficult, we tend to just make a quick wudu. Not done properly, but the special reward to be vigilant. And to make sure we do a proper wudu, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Now, if proper wudu doesn't necessarily mean you wash each limb three times. Because maybe the time, the water, a lot of factors are there that we don't have the opportunity to do it three times. And to do it three times will create difficulties for others. Because the sunnah of wudu is to do it once, twice, or thrice. But we do a proper wudu. That's why we spoke about many times the importance of wudu. Wudu in preparing for salah. So even in times of difficulty, Prophet ﷺ had said, we should be vigilant to ensure that we do it well. The many steps one takes to the masjid. Going to the masjid, Instead of praying at home, there is a special reward of forgiveness of sins and elevation of grades in paradise. And the third, the Prophet ﷺ has said, is awaiting prayer after prayer. For this is the ribat, this is being on guard. Manning the outposts. This is being on guard. This is being on guard. Awaiting prayer after prayer. I mean, of course, it doesn't mean that you sit in the masjid from Fajr till Asia. Waiting for one prayer after the other. Because our lives require us to be outside of the masjid. It means that having made one's prayer, one has in mind the prayer to come. We have in mind the prayer to come. So it doesn't catch us suddenly, we're conscious of our prayers in the day. It is foremost in our minds, because it is the framework of, of our lives. If we're able to make that the framework, then the promise of Allah is there for us. Allah closes the off saying, Back to fearing Allah. In order that you may be successful. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the success that He has promised, to help us to be more conscious of Him and to fear Him in our day to day lives. I ask Allah to protect us from the tricks and the trials of the satanic forces around us in this world. I ask Allah to protect our families and to forgive our transgressions, our negligence, our forgetfulness, to help us back onto the path. I ask Allah to keep us on this path firmly until the last days of our lives, to the last breath that we take. Aqduh